0: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As kids' church is dismissed, we want to go before the word of the Lord today, the book of Acts, the 27th chapter. Acts 27, read verse 14. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Yerachladon, when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Skipping down to verse 19. The third day we cast out with our own hands a tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed, and to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Can you imagine what would have happened had Paul not heard from God in the midst of that storm? He already said that all hope was lost. But when all hope was lost, he heard from God and that changed everything. Changed their actions and behaviors from that. And so... Uh, how, how important and crucial it is to hear from God in the midst of our storm and situation, right? Because that, that changes everything, doesn't it? Our circumstance and the details say one thing, but hey, I want to hear what God has to say. I want the word from God to tell me what we need to do and where we need to go. Man, I want to preach to you today from that... Uh, uh, what was my title? I forgot my title. There we go. Equipped to equipped to endure. Equipped to endure. Turn to a few people greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus and you may be seated today. I don't think that there is another person who had such an impact and uh, a drastic change on the kingdom of God than the Apostle Paul. There are lots of names and uh, uh, apostles who did many great works, but the Apostle Paul, at least in my mind or opinion, kind of stands out. That he really, he really did a lot. I mean, he he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we have today as the Word of God, and so uh, when we hear the phrase, impact the kingdom, we probably think uh, impacting in a good way, which there is no doubt that the Apostle Paul had such a tremendous and great impact uh, on the kingdom of God, but he also... Had a negative impact on the kingdom of God before he came to Christ. He was the chief persecutor against the church. He was after the church. He was there to, uh, with all his power and authority, he was trying to squash the church from being what it was doing and growing and expanding uh, into the known world. And, and so uh, there was nobody more passionate to persecute a believer than Saul. He was happy to get the orders, and he didn't care, and he didn't, he didn't waste any time to go out, and he was going to impact the kingdom of God the best that he could do, and nobody was more obsessed to throw Christians in jail than Saul. He would even hold the coat of those that were happily stoning uh, to death the disciple of Jesus, Stephen. He was there. He didn't throw the rocks, but he held their he held their jackets so they could cock back their arm and throw with a with all their might. And so uh, he was not innocent in it. His hands had the blood of Stephen on them as well. Uh, but we know that even when Saul wasn't living in truth, God still used his actions to help advance the church. Because we know when God has a plan and a purpose, that's what's going to happen. No matter what man tries to do, no matter who tries to step up and and shut down the church or close the church doors, hey, God's will is going to be done and his church is going to prevail in the end, no matter what this world or what man has to do or tries to do. And so even though Saul was uh, persecuting the church... God used that to spread the church across the world. The pendulum of his passion ended up swinging the other way when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so even Jesus extended grace and mercy and forgiveness to the, the top persecutor of the church, the Christian killer, the one who was killing his, uh, the, his church members, even God extended grace and mercy to him. And aren't you thankful for the grace of God in your life? Aren't you thankful that God extended grace to you and he still does it today where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. I'm thankful that grace isn't just for a select few but but I'm grace, grateful, grateful that uh, he gives it all to anybody who's willing, uh, not just the wealthy or not just the ones with a great name, uh, but I wouldn't be here today except for the grace of God. And so it doesn't matter where we have come from, it doesn't matter where you are from or what your name, family name is or, or what situation brought you here, uh, grace is here for everybody. Grace and mercy is here at the altars uh, for forgiveness of sins and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. Aren't you thankful that he is faithful that no matter what happens, he's going to be here for us? And so grace saved Saul from the life that he was living and grace gave him a moment with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it forever changed his life. The, the, the power of a single encounter with Jesus, uh, it changes people's lives for the better, uh, and and I'm thankful for that encounter that I had, that you had with him, because it forever changed our life, and I just don't want that one encounter to be the only one that I have. I need an encounter with him every single day. I need, a, I need to get a hold of him every time we come into this place and to grab a hold of him. Because you never know what another encounter can do in your life. And so Saul did more than just accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Because if you keep on reading, Scripture says that Saul was filled with the Holy Ghost and Saul was baptized. And so grace was given to Saul so that he would turn away from uh, his ways and that he would repent and that he would be baptized and that he would be filled with the Spirit of God. And isn't there an amazing coincidence that what happened to Saul, what the Bible tells us Saul went through is the exact same thing that the apostles were preaching years before on the day of Pentecost because we see Peter standing up and saying, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so if, if grace turned an assassin into an apostle, what can God do in your life? What can he do in the sinner's life out there? We don't know what God can do. We just know that he has the power to transform somebody into a a dirty, rotten sinner, into a saint of the most high God, and that transformative power is here today, and it's not just a one-time use, but it's an everyday use. It's an every time use. It's an every need use. God has the power to do that. And so, if we haven't asked for forgiveness of, of your sins, grace has given us a day today to do that. If if you haven't been baptized in that precious name of Jesus, grace has given you an opportunity to do that today. We have the water, we have the robes, we have everything you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus, because that is a crucial and essential to going to heaven. And so, we provide an opportunity to at every service and any any time we can uh, because we know how critical it is to be baptized in Jesus name and so don't pass up what God has promised for you today Uh, we all have been given a moment and so we uh, why don't we get all that we can from God Because we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the end of the week holds. But all we have right now is this moment here. And so I don't want uh, anyone to leave here without getting all of God that they want. Because God will, will meet you at your hunger and your desire today. And so after this Pentecostal experience... Saul is now transformed into Paul, and he's on his way to become one of the greatest apostles uh, in uh, the uh, New Testament. He dedicates his life to impacting the kingdom of God in a good way, Uh, and God uses him mightily to perform miracles and signs and wonders and many, many, many countless good works. And Paul starts living and walking the straight and narrow, uh, living right and doing right and uh, blessing instead of cursing and praying for people instead of persecuting them. But in our text, we find Paul in a ship. He's not a passenger on a cruise ship, but he's a detainee on a prisoner transport ship. He didn't have his own cabin, he didn't have room service. He was there with, tied up with, with murderers, killers, sinners, thieves, who knows whatever whatever company he was in. But he was on a prisoner transport ship. And on this ship, they, they turn down uh, your, your sheets. They don't turn down your sheets and place a mint on your pillow. They, they didn't have a lobster buffet either. Uh, Paul, being the apostle of the church, the anointed apostle of God, he is bound hand and foot on a ship uh, with guys, all innocent guys. Everybody's innocent, right? And so I feel bad for Paul because he actually was the only innocent one on the ship. Uh, And as they go around the ship, everyone is telling the crime that they have been falsely accused of. And uh, murder, theft, assault, grand theft. And and when it's Paul's turn, he says, well, I'm locked up for preaching. I'm here because I'm preaching. I didn't kill anybody and do any of those things. I'm here just because I'm preaching. And you know that once they found out that he was a preacher, uh, Paul got to listen to uh, people pour their hearts out to him and their confessions and uh they i'm sure they asked him if they can still go to heaven and all these things but how many times do we get frustrated and upset with god because we are living right and we are doing things the right way and we still find ourselves on a prisoner transport ship at least it feels that way sometimes how many times have we told God, I don't deserve this, or I'm faithful to church, I, I'm faithful in my ties, I, I give offerings to support missionaries through faith promise, and I, I'm trying to live right, and now I'm a prisoner on a transport ship. This is not what I signed up for. And so where did we get the idea that because we have given our life to Jesus Christ, that we get to skip the line in a lot of things, and that we get to live on a luxury cruise ship the rest of our days, uh, that no, there's not going to be any more seas in our life or no more storms, there's uh, no, not going to be any more hardships or trials, but now we get the best in life just because we gave ourselves, gave our lives to God. Where do we, why do we think that? You don't think Paul thought that as well? What, what am I doing here? Why am I in this situation and why is this happening to me? In those times, we might think that we have been abandoned, that we, we may feel that God has left us and that maybe we've been misled or, or we get confused and uh, depression starts to creep in because we look around and we, we assess our situation and we find ourselves in the same situation as somebody who's not living for God. And we start to think that how is it that we're no different than them? How is it that we're in this same boat together? And uh, I'm in the same boat with these prisoners, and I, I know that they haven't been living right, but I, at least I know that I am, or at least I'm trying my best. I know that they don't go to church, but I, I know I do, and I know that they don't really care about God, but I do, and, and yet we're in the same boat. And so don't let your environment eat away at your ident- identity. What happens is we let our environment start to eat away our faith and and, and start to uh, try to plant seeds of doubt in our life as to who we are because we are a child of God we are a child of the King and the scenery and seasons may change in our life but hey we are still chosen aren't we we are still a, a royal priesthood a, a peculiar people we are still the people of God we haven't changed. But our situation has, but don't let our situation uh, ruin who we are because we are still bought with a price. We've still been baptized in Jesus' name. Those things haven't changed. We're still calling on Jesus. We're still praying. We're still fasting. And so we don't need to allow that situation to erode away who we are and to try to cause us to believe that we are somebody who we are not. You see, we may be in the same situation as somebody else, but God has something special for us. We are, we are different than them. Why? Because we have been anointed by God. We have been filled with his spirit. He has his hand upon our life. And so, yeah, even though we may be in the same boat, we're not in the same state as they are because we have a connection with Almighty God. We can boldly come before the throne of grace anytime we need because we are a child of God. And with that anointing that God gives us, with that mantle comes comes protection. There comes safety. There comes deliverance. There comes a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, with the anointing comes uh, an assurance that we are going to be okay because we are His children. And that is something that you cannot buy. That is something that Amazon can't get you in two days. Uh, that anointing comes from God, and it's his sign, it's his seal on our life that he is claiming us as his own, as his property. And so as the, as the guards are taking attendance, they come to Paul, and they just know that there's something different about him. They, they can tell that he doesn't belong in this ship. Uh, why? Because uh, there's, uh, there's the anointing of God upon his life. There's this invisible touch uh, that can be seen and, and felt even, with, uh, even by sinners and ungodly people. They can just know. Why? Because God's hand is upon your life uh, and, and you know it and maybe you've uh, experienced it and, and maybe people have said those things to you that there's just something different about that person. I'll tell you what it is. Uh, We are are anointed of God. That's what's different. We stand apart from everyone else because we are called out from this world, called to be separate and set apart. And so Paul might be in the boat with prisoners, but there's something different about him. And so, Paul, your your situation isn't the best. I know that, but... At least I have an anointing upon my life that uh, I have a calling from God. Uh, I know that things aren't looking good, but I, I can feel the hand of God on my life when I speak his name. And I, I know that, uh, that with that subtle touch from his spirit that I just know deep down that everything is going to work out. Acts 27 and 1, and when it was determined that they should set sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And so there were the coordinates. They were entered in and they were headed to Italy. Paul obviously had no say where they were headed because he was just a prisoner like the rest. He had no opinion that uh, mattered. Uh, in verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposedly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose... Losing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Eurocladon. You know what Eurocladon means? It means a tempestuous wind. But it also means a violent agitation. A violent agitation. It's not a small agitation. Not a normal agitation. It's a violent one. Uh, I don't know about you, but a, a, sometimes a small agitation can be enough to make you go crazy. Like when you're when the, the line on your sock is not lined up right and it just kind of all your it's off in your foot, doesn't that just kind of just go crazy? Something so small just throws you off. Or even just a tiny little piece of popcorn kernel stuck in your tooth. That's a small agitation. It just, you can't, you can't function, right? Your, your tongue's going crazy and your mind's just lost because you got something stuck in your teeth. But imagine a Uro- uroclodon stuck in your teeth. You wouldn't have any teeth left. You wouldn't have a problem with popcorn kernels, would you? But as annoying as an agitation can be, it's how we respond to it that determines our outcome. If you don't take your shoe off and fix your sock, then you're going to go crazy. If you don't uh, get a toothpick and dig out that kernel, uh, you're going to feel it all day long, every second of the day. Those are, those are agitations that we can do something about. But what happens when we encounter a uroclodon, when something comes in your life far beyond our control? That's when you need to let God deal with it. And that's when we need to put our faith and our trust in God because we know that it's outside our control. There's nothing that we can do against that. We're just going to have to hold on and believe that God is going to do something. When We've we got to put our faith and trust in God and remind ourselves that we are a child of God that we are a chosen generation, that, that we are called out, that we are sanctified, that we, are, uh, we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives and we've got to trust that God is going to keep us and bring us through. That he will provide us in an assurance uh, and that he will equip us, that we will endure through whatever it is that comes our way and that we are going to make it through uh, whatever agitation it is. So that we can continue doing his will and uh, end up being, giving God glory through whatever it is that we bring. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation, uh, we want to make sure that God gets the glory through it all. And that means us submitting and surrendering to his will. An oyster is really not anything impressive to look at. It's raggedy and wretched and, and ugly and all these uh, all these things and, and oysters they kind of uh, they kind of like to be left alone they just want to live their own life uh, kind of like us but an interesting process happens when something comes into its life unexpectedly when something beyond its control, th- all of a sudden moves into its life. Something as small as a piece of sand, it may seem so small to us, but to an oyster, this thing is a urachlodon. This thing is just messing up its life. Something so small as a piece of sand, when it comes into its shell and it begins to agitate its this oyster, the oyster has an internal protective layer called a mantle. And this mantle is activated when foreign matter comes into its life. And the mantle not only protects the oyster's organs and life, but it also releases something to combat the object, to combat the agitation, to combat this enemy or this uh, this thing in its life, uh, the mantle releases nacre, which then covers the threat over and over. It keeps covering this thing up. It, it keeps ple- it pleading this uh, nacre over it and, and covering and covering. And, and the threat or the circumstance is not removed, but it's just covered. And it just keeps getting covered by the mantle. just keeps covering it and covering it and covering it. And over time, this produces something. That piece of sand keeps getting covered by the mantle and the nacre, and all of a sudden now it becomes a valuable pearl. You see, sometimes things come into our life not to destroy us, but to produce something in us, to get us to keep, to get us to pray more, to get us to seek the face of God more, to produce something valuable in us that God's going to get the glory out. And, and sometimes we think it's just all here to, to wreck us and and to destroy our lives. But but sometimes God allows these things in our life just to become a small agitation, so that it'll get us, maybe it'll wake us up and uh, to get us active and to ignite that fire, that passion again in our life. And, and to get the the fire burning again, to rekindle our desire and our hunger for God, uh, sometimes God's going to allow an agitation to come into our life. When we ask God to remove it, God says, no, I'm not going to remove it, but I'll help you cover it up. I'll help you put some nacre over it. I'll, I'll the mantle that I've given you is going to help take care of that, and you'll be better because of it, because it, it hasn't been removed, but it's been there, and it's caused you to become stronger and more focused and more determined in what God wants you to do instead of him just removing it, and then we just move on like nothing happened. 2 Corinthians 12 says, Uh, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to uh, buffet me, uh, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the, the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, and so if you need the power of Christ to rest upon you, guess what? You're going to have to have some thorns in your life. There's some agitations, some things in your life that cause you to, to be uncomfortable. And that is a good thing because that's when God can begin to work in you and through you. And the mantle and the anointing that God has given you is, is, uh, is covering that thing. And you're covering it with prayer. And you're pleading the blood of Jesus over that thing. And in the end, that's going to be a great glory unto God rather than praying for God to remove it. See, God doesn't always remove the agitations in our lives. Sometimes he'll just cover them so that you can continue on doing what he needs you to do. So if he doesn't remove the storm in your life, guess what? That means means he's going to bring you through it. And that means that storm is not going to destroy you. It's not going to get the better of you. But if it's not removed, then God's going to say, hey, we're going through this together. And you're going to be in there with God. And he's going to make sure you are going to come through the other side. And he'll cover you with his anointing and his mantle. And you're going to have that peace that you know, hey, no matter how bad this gets, I feel the call. of God on my life, I feel his spirit moving in my life, and I'm going to make it through this because God has equipped me to endure whatever it is he's caught for me. Verse 21, but long, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, saying, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete, to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, uh, for uh, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Uh, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee, wherefore, sirs, Be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told unto me. Uh, And so things aren't looking good on the outside, uh, but... Paul heard a voice from God. The angel came and gave him a word. Uh, and he and, and with that word provided the assurance and the the he equipped Paul to say, hey, uh, it's not going to be as bad as we think it is. Why? Because I heard from God and God's got a plan and a purpose for my life and I'm going to make it through it. And so I'm here to tell you today, if God has called you and if he's got a plan and a purpose in your life, you're going to make it. You're going to survive. God's going to bring you through. whatever it is that you're facing or whatever comes your way, no matter how big or how small it is. Why? Because he's going to equip you to endure through the end and the anointing upon your life is going to help cover whatever thing comes in your life. What does a Yerlachlodon have against the power of God? It's a, it's a hurricane of a, of a storm. And we know that we we take shelter and we can't, we just sit there at the mercy of the storm. But no matter how big the hurricane is, no matter how strong the storm is, uh, it's not greater than my God. It's not greater than the anointing that God puts upon our life. It's not greater than the blood of Jesus that we plead over our lives and over the situations. Uh, The storms that are coming uh, in our lives, uh, that's okay, but we're covered by the mantle of God. We have a over our life, and he's going to give us the peace to get through it all. He's going to provide us the assurance, and he's going to equip us uh, to get through whatever it is that we have in our life because we are his children, and we shouldn't fear uh, what is out there or the situation that we are in uh, because we know that God is going to be there for his people. And so I don't know where you are in life uh, you may be going through a storm right now or 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 maybe there's a storm on the horizon but but really it doesn't matter does it because we are anointed of God and he equips his people to get through and to endure whatever comes our way and I'm thankful that he has a touch and a call upon our lives because without that where would we be if Paul was not on that ship what would have happened They, they probably would have all died but the fact that there was a, a man of God, a child of God on that ship, the anointing of, of, of Paul is, is saved every, everyone else on that ship. And so you don't know what God is going to do in your life, uh, who he's going to reach through you. We just got to have the faith and the confidence that, hey, I, I'm a child of God and whatever comes my way, God is going to make sure that we are equipped to, to endure it and to make it through the other side. Musicians, if you would come, today is, today is Palm Sunday, and today was a great day for our Lord and Savior, today Jesus was on the ship, and he was, uh, there's clear skies, and it was if there was ever a best day to set sail, it would have been today because uh, everything was, was, was wonderful. Everything was great, the best seas and the best, uh, the best sky, the perfect weather. Everything was laid out right, uh, just right, and, and what a day it was. Matthew 21 tells us, in a, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way, and the multitudes that went before and that followed crying, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And so this was the the, the great triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, and this was, this was the, the, the perfect day. I mean, they're, they're, he's the, they're, they're acknowledging him as the, their king and the, the son of David, their Messiah. I mean, this is everything is, is it falling in play. Except it doesn't last. Lasts for a few hours, maybe the day. But the next days, it doesn't last. And so what seemed to be going great one day, a few days later, all of a sudden, a uh, uralachlidon uh, shows up in, in Jesus' life, and it's, it's the darkest storm of his life. The day that he is arrested and uh, he knows it's coming. He knows this storm is coming. And uh, we see him in the garden just, just crying and, and pleading and, and praying uh, to God so much that he, he's sweating blood. And I mean, this is when you want to talk about a storm, that's the storm uh, of, the li- of his life. Facing it, and, and he knows it's coming. It's one thing to just kind of get caught up in it, not realizing it's coming, but it's another thing to know it's coming. But as, as stressful as it was, Jesus knew that he was equipped to make it through the end. No matter how bad it was going to be, and obviously it can't get much worse than death, but on your way to death it can get pretty bad as it was as it was for him. Uh, and, and so uh, he knew that he had to go through this. He even as uh, if it be so, uh, let this cup be removed from me. And, and, and as, as we all probably pray at times, God, remove this thing and remove this thorn and remove this agitation in my life. But uh, here, this, this, this thing was not going to be removed. Uh, Jesus was going to have to go through this storm. And as bad as it looked, and as as bad as it was, uh, what looked like defeat, what looked like hopelessness, actually God used to defeat the enemy. That's what he used to, to defeat the devil, and, and, and he carried the sin upon the back, the sin of the world upon his back to the, to the cross. And, and because he went through that storm and, and he endured what he had to endure is the reason why you and I are here today. Because if he had not died, had he not shed his blood, we would not be here. We wouldn't have this opportunity to come and worship the name of Jesus and to lift up his holy name because of what he has done. Jesus was equipped to make it through the darkest day. We see in Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, most people will just focus on the cross. But Jesus knew that he was equipped and he was anointed to endure whatever the cross was. That's why he saw the cross, but yet he saw, he saw the joy there. He, he saw that, hey, this is not the end. This is not death, but this is the beginning of something new. This is where a new life is going to begin. This is where the anointing is going to start coming into play and to, and to cover the sins of mankind. And so as dark as things may seem or they may appear in our life, I'm here to tell you that God has equipped you to endure it, to make it through the end because God has a greater purpose and a plan for you and he needs to get you to the other side, to a higher, a higher calling, a deeper depth in him and sometimes we have to go through a uroclodon to get there. While many people may not survive the storm, God has purposed in our life that we all would survive. He doesn't want any of us to perish, and he has provided all of us a way of victory uh, because God has given us a promise, and he's going to fulfill that. And he's not going to allow anything to come in its way. He has called us for a purpose, and God is not finished with it. Uh, And so it's still yet to be fulfilled, and he needs us to do it and to reach it. Philippians 1 and 6, be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, if God has started something in us, he's going to finish it. No matter how long it takes, we got to hold on to the end. Paul, you're going to have to stand before Caesar. Uh, you haven't done that yet. And so this Don is nothing to worry about because I'm going to keep you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to uh, keep my hand upon you. Uh, and so what God has spoken to you and what God has promised and planned for this church, uh, there's nothing that's going to stop it. No storm's going to come in our way. No octodon is going to halt the church. Why? Because the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church because God has a plan and a purpose and he's equipped each and every one of us to fight the good fight of faith and to Endure what it is that God has for us. And so this is not the time to worry or to time the jump ship, but it's time to hold on and to the promises of God and let the anointing cover us and cover our problem. Stand with me today. Acts 27. As the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Not because they cannot swim, not because they forgot their life vests. The reason that they would not be saved Is because there was a covering upon Paul. And whoever was with Paul is going to be saved. And so if you want to leave the ship and go out on your own, there's no covering out there for you. But Paul has a covering. Paul has an anointing from God. And Paul has a word from God that he's going to save it. He's going to be alive. And all those that are with him are going to make it. And so uh, he, he, he halted them from jumping over the side saying, Brothers, don't do that. You need to stay here told them that nobody would perish because uh, of the anointing upon his life and the calling. And so uh, unless you stay in the ship, then you're going to perish. Not because the ship was unsinkable, but because Paul was there and that he was the only one there that had the anointing from God. They may have all been prisoners together, but one of them carried the mantle of God. One of them was equipped to uh, endure to the end. And it's the mantle that's going to keep everybody safe. Wherever Paul was, that's where they needed to be. Because he was the anointed one. And he's the one who heard from God. He's the one who had the assurance of God. And God was extending some grace to those prisoners, sinners, those backsliders, Not because of how they were living, but because how Paul was living. You see, we don't live... uh, for our, for God, for ourselves, but you never know what God's going to do through us because of how we are living. We are called and dedicated and set apart for God, and we don't know how many people are going to be saved just because of how we are living. Even though we, we, we stand apart and we're different than everyone else, that's fine, but if whatever I can do to help reach somebody, help bring them to the house of God, help make an impact in our life, and the best way to do that is to live and submit ourselves to the word of God so that the anointing and the mantle can cover our lives and cover us wherever we are. And so they were going to be saved because of his walk with God, because of his prayers. See, there are people in our life, family members, friends, co-workers, backsliders, that I believe that they are being kept safe because of you are there. That There's something special about that place. Uh, uh, there's, some, there's a covering over the schools that our children go to, and it's a covering that you cannot buy. Uh, it's a hand of God over there, over that school because of, of God's children are there, and there's a, there's a hand upon uh, your office building and your vehicle. Why? Because of you are there, because of the anointing and the mantle that, that God has placed on your life. And so we need to make sure that we are continuing to pray for them don't quit praying don't quit interceding for the lost or family members because I believe that grace is coming to them that, that there's an opportunity coming to them there's a calling coming to them to hey to get in the boat if you want to be saved you need to get into the boat you need to get into the church in these last days because this is this is the ark of the day uh, to, to carry us through whatever's going to come our way uh, you have to be in the boat you have to be there with the people of God. And so now is not the time to slack off or now is not the time to to live a casual life because time is running out and time is running short. And there are still unfulfilled promises of God. There are still unanswered prayers. And the church has a purpose. The church has a calling. The church is on course for revival, and so we gotta raise up our sail, and we gotta let God have His way in our lives. Uh, we we have a, a prophecy of a mighty outpouring of His Spirit. Satan knows that there's gonna be an end-time revival, and he doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't want us to reach our destination. He doesn't want you to survive what you're going through. He wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. He wants you to throw in the towel. Uh, And so the enemy tries to prepare a Euroclodon in your life to stir things up. But what does he want you to do? He wants you to jump ship. He wants you to get out and quit and to give up. But when well, we have something from God, we've got his anointing upon our lives. We've got an assurance from God that he is going to equip us through whatever it is that we face. We know that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. So as long as we are in the church, as long as we are the people of God, that's a great promise to hold on to, right? That's some kind of hope that we can say, hey, no matter how hard hell tries, hell is not going to win. Why? Because we are on the winning side. We have Jesus on our side. Uh, and God is going to do a mighty work in our in our lives and in these last days. And he's equipped you and I to do what, he, what he's called us to do. And so we need the anointing of God in our life because it's the anointing that that covers us and that keeps us and provides us uh, and and protects us. And, And so whatever it is that's facing us, Uh, We know that God is going to equip us to get us through that. And we don't need to allow uh, uh, deceit and and doubt and and discouragement to come in our life. There's enough of that out there. There's enough of that hopelessness in this world. We don't need to be passing that around to one another. No, we need to be encouraging one another, lifting one another up and say, hey, we're going to make it, brother. Hey, we're going to make it, sister. We're going to get through this together. You're going to make it through. No matter how dark it is, no matter how hard it is, you have been equipped by God to make it through the storm and the trial in your life. So we can't we can't tell the future. But we know that God has been faithful to us in the past we know that he is faithful with us today. And so no matter what tomorrow holds, I don't know the uncertainty of it, but hey, that doesn't matter. Why? Because God is always faithful. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. He's going to be there with us and he's going to equip us. He's given us his spirit uh, to help fight the good fight of faith. And so whatever it is that we are facing, it's not stronger than God. It's not more powerful than his spirit. And we have everything that we need to make it through the other side. But sometimes we get, we get caught up in the fog of everything. I mean, Paul said, "Hey, after after the third day of no sun, he said there's no light thing." I mean, this isn't a this isn't a little storm. When you haven't seen the sun and the moon and the stars in three days, it's not a tiny storm. But what happens in that, in the cloud? Of uncertainty, of all those things that we uh, we can get a fog of war of, of our minds get foggy and we're not thinking clearly. We're not thinking right and and, and, and maybe we do the, make things, do decisions that we shouldn't do but God does not want us uh, to make those bad choices. He's given us everything that we need to have victory and, and so the people of God should be victorious in all that we do. He, he he, he took uh, every sin upon his back at the cross. He defeated sin at the cross. He defeated every devil at the cross. He defeated every addiction at the cross. He he defeated every sickness and disease at the cross. Everything that you and I ever encounter, Jesus has already defeated that back at the cross. So why are we holding on to these things? Why do we think that they have so much power our, over us? They don't. That's just a fog of war. I'm here to tell you that Jesus can defeat any sickness, any Devil, any darkness, any 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 demon, God has already defeated that. We are the people of God. We are to be walking in victory because He has equipped us uh, to endure and to make it to the other side. and It's not like we've gotten some kind of grade B Holy Ghost. No, the Bible tells us that the Spirit uh, that dwells in us dwelt in Christ and if it dwelt in us it's going to raise us up that raised him up and and so the same spirit of God that that moved upon the face of the waters and and started all this activity and created all these worlds is that same spirit that's inside of us God has equipped us to make it he's equipped us to fight the good fight of faith Uh, the spirit of God that defeated every devil on the cross is inside of us The spirit of God that uh, defeated every sickness and cast out every demon and and healed every disease, that same spirit is inside of us. And so what are we doing holding on to these things that God says, hey, I've already defeated those. I've already paid the price for victory. We need to realize, hey, we are the people of God. Uh, We have been equipped. We have everything that we need to make it through the end. We just got to realize that and believe that on a daily basis. So no matter what it is that we are facing, we have the victory over it. We're not going to walk out of here with our head hanging down, no. We're going to walk out of here with our heads up, our shoulders squared back. Why? Because we are marching from victory to victory. Amen. Everything God has done, he's going to do something even greater in your life. It doesn't matter what's battling you right now. Hey, we're going to walk out of here today Believe it. hey, Jesus is going to make a way. He's going to give us the peace deliver us from whatever it is and so uh, I wonder if we can come down here today believing as a people of God and if you're coming down you got a sickness in your body go ahead and bring that down here Jesus already has a victory over that if you're bound by something hey you're gonna walk out of here today uh, of a new man a new woman in Christ because he has paid the price he has equipped us for victory come on let